Okay, thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Hank, grateful for recovering adult child. Um, Harley, um, hi. And if you could give me uh, every five, and then when I have a one minute left. Thank you. Oh, hi, everyone. I'm nervous. Um, I've been to this meeting a few times, and I'm a fan of the podcast. Um, so I'm, I'm just, I'm really grateful to be asked to speak here. Um, and then I write one. Uh, there was something being read. I, I had forgotten that I was supposed to choose a, li a literature uh, passage, but I but I have a favorite one, so I, I found it. Um, and it has a lot to do with what I want to share. Um, so this is from uh, page 145 of the Big Red Book. It's, it's from step three, and it's titled Endless Supply. Don't worry about wearing out step three. This step is a bottomless well of hope which is needed to deal with our fear-based attempts to control ourselves and others. As we work the remainder of the 12 steps, we will invariably struggle with control and self-doubt. Such struggles are only natural since we relied on controlling our feelings and emotions to survive in our homes and relationships. Control meant a sense of safety and predictability. However, we surrounded much of our personality and spirit through this manner of living. In step three, we begin the gradual and gentle process of easing off of stifling control and replacing it with emotional freedom. Each time we encounter the cliff face of control and feel overwhelmed by steep walls, we must remember we can draw on an endless well of God's grace. The third step, coupled with our association with other recovering adult children, is an endless resource of hope and reassurance. We can tap it, we can tap it indefinitely, one day at a time. It's like one of my favorite, favorite things um, in that book. Um, um, so I, uh, I love that this meeting is a tool-based meeting. And I, um, I thought I'd do something, which I used to do in Al-Anon a lot. It was like my little Al-Anon joke. And I, now that I'm more in this program, I thought I'd try it out, which is to give a list of, we used to be like the anti-slogans in Al-Anon. Um, you know, the, the way I was living my life before our program. And now I thought, you know, I'll give some of the broken tools that brought me into ACA, the ones that I learned in childhood, but that really created a lot of pain for me. Um, uh, control, control of myself and my emotions, control of trying to stifle those emotions, control of other people's feelings, control of other people's actions. Um, rage, sometimes public, um, rage at myself, um, eating, overeating, um, fantasizing, uh, getting lost in fantasies of success or partnerships or uh, romance, success, um, numbing myself in various ways, avoiding the world, avoiding myself, avoiding people, um, shame, and my favorite acronym for that is should have already mastered everything, um, which goes along with perfectionism, never giving myself a break, um, relentless self-criticism, uh, romantic intrigue, flirtation, gossip, and a whole host of others that I you know, uh, couldn't think of. But um, so those were some of my tools, you know, that got me through life and um, got me definitely through my childhood. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I scrambled to hold on to the, a lot of those things when I was a kid. 
I grew up in a, in a home that was both parents active drinkers um, and a lot of physical violence, a lot of verbal violence, a lot of emotional hot and cold, um, and a lot of chaos. Um, very rural existence. Uh, and, and so that just led to more and more isolation from other people, from other families and what, what I would consider, you know, like normal, normal people, society. Um, and yeah, I learned, I learned all those tools in my home and, um, you know, it's the big red book often talks about like the Claudia black section. It's like the don't talk, don't trust, don't feel was the subtext, the subtitle of everything in my life. Um, my feelings were unsafe because I would be punished for expressing them, right? Um, my, my needs, whether it was for food or for, um, for safety or for um, something at school, like those were trivial. They didn't matter because there's, you know, my parents were often in a state of emergency in their lives. And so, you know, I just learned to dismiss myself constantly, walk on eggshells. And what I've come to now realize is like, um, you know, after many years of unmanageability, you know, um, and it's like, um, anyway, those, those are survival traits, right? And, and I'm so grateful for that list of the, the, um, the laundry list and then the, the uh, other laundry list um, because it just so clearly outlines uh, what a kid kid will do, how a kid will adapt and survive. And all of those things created so much pain in my life. And now in ACA, like the beautiful thing is I'm able to look at that stuff with kind of clear eyes and a lot of gratitude, even though it was so painful. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I'll just say, I'll just kind of go through now some tools that I thought of in this program um, and then I get through all of them. Thank you. I heard that. I think I heard that. Was that that wasn't a time. That was just somebody unmuted for a second. Oh, okay. Um, so first of all, I thought of, you know, was the, the phone, the telephone, um, just such an amazing way to connect to people. Um, and it's often just this way in which I can, um, you know, I'll hear someone in a meeting, I'll reach out to them and I have a lot of friends in this program. And, um, it's a chance to just like process whatever is being stirred up in my life, right? I, uh, because one of the other tools I grew up with was isolation. So like, you know, this is the just direct antidote to that. How can I hear myself say to another person, I'm going through something hard, or sometimes I don't even know what I'm feeling. You know, I, I don't know, I just feel weird. Um, and it's just such a beautiful thing to have someone listen and I usually get to what it is. They're patient with me. And then I get to listen to where they're at. They're at. So there's this empathetic give and take. And it's just such a beautiful thing. I mean, um, I kind of can't remember my life before program calls, you know? It's a very important part of life for me. Um, uh, meetings, this is a complicated one for me um, in ACA specifically. Um, I first, when I first started coming to ACA meetings about three years ago, I, I, I heard things I really related to for sure, but I kind of didn't want to be one of the people. It's, it, I had a lot of judgment. I had a lot of, uh, yeah, just a lot of judgment. 
And um, that, thank God, has really lessened because I have been doing work to get clarity about my own story, you know, and have compassion for myself. And so I don't have that sort of rigid uh, rejection of other people's pain that I had when I first came in. Um, But it's still complicated for me going to meetings because I often sometimes will think, okay, I went to a meeting that should be, I I did my program work for the day. And really it's like meetings are a place where I can hear the message, but they're also a place where I can, I can use the old tools a lot. Like that, the judgment, criticism, isolation, especially in pandemic, um, I can I cannot be present in a meeting really easily, um, but they are such an important part of my life, and I'm um, I'm trying to start a meeting actually right now. I've been I've been daydreaming about what would be, you know, what is the not perfect, but what would be the best structure of a meeting that would fit my life, and at what time of day. And I've reached out to some people and. You know, we're kind of working on that, and that feels like miraculous that I can like use that tool and maybe help other other people. So um, meetings, literature. Um, this this program's literature is so profound. Um, the fact that you know it started with Alateen and then became its own program, um, and the people's people went through the process of writing about their pain and then giving it out to the universe, and that I am now reaping the benefits of that. It's just so beautiful to me. Um, and, uh, and then maybe one of my favorite tools is my fellow traveler. Uh, it's the fellow traveler sponsorship model. I've had two in this program. Um, my current one is just, I'm so grateful for this person who is like um, funny, sweet, attentive, compassionate, um, and you know she's very patient and and I'm patient with her and like we're really honest with each other and what's so amazing about this kind of sponsorship model is just how we're there's no authority between us we're both at the same level of experience in the program we're walking step by step through it thank you was that 10 minutes yeah thank you um we're just walking step by step through it you know, very slowly. And, um, and I love that. And I get to see her growth and she's seeing my growth. We get to reflect that back to each other. And, um, you know, there's no advice giving, but there is a lot of honesty. There's a lot of feedback that's really profound. Um, just so, so grateful for her and, and for my first fellow traveler, you know, that was really great too. Um, um, my spon- I, have, I also have a sponsor, so I have both fellow traveler and sponsor in this program. And I know that's not kind of normal, right? I don't hear that, that a lot, but it, it, I realized I, I need that because I realized I'd also like to have the benefit of someone who has more experience than I have. So I heard a guy in a meeting and I, you know, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but like we got together and it's it's great. We, we meet once a week. I'm now in step four and um and uh he's just a great witness and again not a not an authority figure um but he's you know he's a a really generous person who is who's also gaining from the relationship you know he's doing service and and he thanks me for my time which is really amazing um and then you know the steps steps are you know crucial tool for me in this program 
um, the, my first fellow traveler, I did step one and it took an entire year. Uh, cause I was in such unmanageability and numb and a numb place in my life that I just couldn't, uh, go any quicker than that. Like it just needed to be super slow and, um, and it, it, it uncovered a lot. And the second time around, you know, we've been going through it probably close to a year now, but we're on step four. And so like, it's gone a little quicker, um, but it's still incredibly deep. And um, I'll just quickly talk about my journey through the steps. Like what I find so different between this and other fellowships is that uh, like, for instance, uh, we take an inventory of the family system, not just of our own behavior. And I love, you know, when I go and listen to Tony A, if you can find this on YouTube, I highly suggest it, go and listen to him. Thank you, I think I heard more time. Um, he talks about the need for how this program um, takes a really clear inventory of how, you know, childhood victimization, you know, trauma in, in childhood, and how we have no legitimate part in that. That was a crucial part, you know, even in step one, writing my history, writing about, um, you know, the family constellation, just getting the clarity that I had no other choice. And the, the word victim did apply then, absolutely did apply then. Um, and in other fellowships, you know, I'm a loving member of many other fellowships, but like sometimes there's this feeling that like, um, don't blame your parents. Everyone had a bad childhood. Get over it. I'm simplifying a lot, but like, thank God for ACA, which gives me the tools to say, nope, that absolutely happened. Absolutely happened. I had no part in it. And, um, and then just, you know, to love myself through it and reparent. I think I'm going to skip forward into some of these tools because, um, my the favorite one that I really, really want to talk about is a newer one for me, which is inner child work and, uh, inner loving okay. parent work. Thank you. One minute. So, um, this is a miracle to me. Um, I couldn't even, uh, I rolled, rolled my eyes so much at inner child work when I first came in and where I'm in am today is a miracle because I love it. I love to talk to my inner children. There are several different ages, different needs. Um, but the one I'm most connected to right now, and I'm seeing a lot, is my inner teenager. Um, I couldn't even picture my inner teenager before. I had such um, revulsion for that part of me who was perfectionistic, raging, kind of the authenticity police, you know. Um, and now I love that kid. He's funny. He's scrappy. He had to fight a lot, and I love him so much. And um, one day at a time, I'm learning to really integrate his gifts, which used to be broken tools. And now I see where survival traits, which I have to love. And I have to give myself other options, you know, other healthy options in my life today. That's um, thank you. I hope that some of that made sense for someone. All right. Thank you.